All right, we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're back for Behind the Monster series. And we have Marty Matulis here from American Horror Story and Evil, Teen Wolf, Sleepy Hollow, lots of different Star Treks. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Good to see you guys. It's good to see you. Troy cannot be here. He's under the weather, but he says hello. The terrible. Hope he uh, gets out from under the weather quickly. Yeah. It's not a good time to be under the weathers of anything. No, because you you assume, even if it's just a cold, you assume it could be, you know, worse. Oh, yeah. Every little sniffle, every uh, little hiccup, I'm wondering, is this the one? Is this it? Yeah. Is it the coves? Along those lines, how are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you. Um, been road tripping, traveling around, kind of uh, self-quarantining on the road, which seems a pretty viable option if you're out there. It's nothing but uh, sprinter vans and RVs as far as the eye can see. It's like a survivalist movie. Or yeah, all we need are a few zombies chasing us, and we're in good shape. Right. I'm actually wearing a zombie uh, sweater. Return of Living. You, I can see. What am I looking at? Goats? Dogs? It's the half <laughs> dogs from Return of Living Dead. Yes. God, that's very cool. Yeah. It was a birthday present for, for my mom. So thanks, mom, if she's watching. <laughs> it's very cool. She's Mother. not watching. Put any good word <laughs> to my mom. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. So uh, where did it, where did you start in the business? Did you start doing the, the makeup stuff? Like, how, What was your beginning? Uh, well, beginning being, and excuse the helicopters, I, I just can't get rid oh, of them. Oh, something's after you. Yeah, always. Uh, I was a theater kid going back to grade school and junior high, high school, and on into college. And then uh, I went to college at Cal State Long Beach. And as you do at the time, you're a stone's throw from LA. And someone said, hey, we should go up and see if we can get on something. And the first thing we ever got on was just background on a Star Trek movie, which turned into pretty much the whole summer, which turned into meeting some makeup artists and then being invited back to the next Star Trek. Uh, was that Nemesis as a Reman and sitting in the makeup chair day in, day out, started chatting the guys up. I said, how can I do more of this? And uh, a good man named Kenny Myers said, what are you doing next June? which kind of introduced me to the um, Monster Palooza world, sitting for demos and having proven myself as someone who could sit patiently for hours under makeup uh, with some acting chops behind that, started getting invited to other jobs along the line. Is that how a lot of this stuff gets set up uh, with the makeup like department? Because like, uh, when, when I mentioned we were doing this series, you were recommended by uh, the mutual friend Jeremy who said that yes, uh, love Jeremy. You know, he works with you a lot. And so I was just wondering, like, is that how a lot of the, a lot of the different roles pop up? It, it is to an extent. It's kind of a weird delineation where the makeup artists do have people that they've worked with in the past that they will recommend for jobs. That is how I was brought on to evil um, because of prior working experience with Joel Harlow. He knew that I could handle the acting parts and he knew I could handle full body, full face prosthetic stuff. And so having done that for years, he'll put me up and I'll throw my resume out. And if, it, if it's a decent match, that's usually how I come at, at it. Uh, it's a little different and a little more rare to come at it directly via casting into the makeup stuff. It's been more friendships and longstanding uh, working relationships with these amazing, amazing makeup artists that I get to sit in front of and watch for hours as they do this amazing Academy Award winning art right on my face. It's great. <laughs> Obviously, the, you understand why I'm still doing this, right? Yeah. 
Well, I was going to say something you said there is they, they know you can also handle uh, the acting part. Do you think sometimes that's overlooked um, for people who, who play a lot of monsters and different prosthetics? I do. I think, you know, perceptions, everything. And I think a lot of, a lot of the people who get put into makeup might not have acting training at all. They might be more in line for a very physical role that requires stunt training. A lot of stunt guys are perfectly great actors, but it doesn't always match up hand in hand. Or, or you could just find someone who's, you know, some gargantuan dude off the street to wear a massive suit and he'll get thrown in. So it's usually up to the makeup artist to say, no, no, this guy can do this, this, and this, or this guy can do A, B, and C. And they'll pretty much try to line you up accordingly for the job. Uh, Trish, do you have a question? I do, yeah. I know a lot of actors that hate wearing cosmetic uh, lenses, and I know some who don't mind it at all. So I'm wondering what your experience is with that. <laughs> I have worn contact lenses for vision since I was in junior high. So it wasn't a big stretch for me to go from that to some of the, the big full scleral lenses that they'll put in to really take the humanity away. Uh and I've worked with outstanding lens techs, and they are so conscientious of your comfort and your eye's health that personally, I've, I've never had a problem with it. It's never been difficult. Um, occasionally, the length of time you're in them can can start to wear a little bit. But, you know, as soon as there's a break, they're right up next to you getting ready to pluck them out and give your eyes a break. I think it's fun. I love wearing them, actually. I think it it really, like I said... It, it's something about the pink of the eye or the white of the eye or sometimes like your mouth. Like that's the only giveaway in these makeups that you're still a guy in a makeup. So as soon as I can take that stuff away somehow, either through mouth black or the full sclerals, it just kind of lets the character exist a little more realistically. So are there any, I'm all for it. are there any prosthetics that do bother you? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I have yet to, to be so challenged for anyone out there. I mean, we, we jokingly call it being, excuse me, being put into mouth jail. Uh, a lot of the characters I've played, because again, taking away something of your human face helps a character. So a lot of times they'll do a design that closes off your mouth or sometimes your mouth and your nose, or sometimes your, you name it uh, and not giving too much away. There's a character that's currently being played also designed by Joel that the mouth is there. The nose is completely sealed off ears. They can accommodate usually through the makeup uh, and vision is next to nothing, but I just kind of go to my happy place and I trust these guys and, and their professionalism and, and then wake up two hours later and get to go walk out on set and go after a while. And, and I think also knowing that no matter what I'm in, I, I, I know that I will get out. So I kind of carry that with me as well. It's not like I, I freak out in the chair and like, ah, I'm going to be stuck in here forever. Uh, I know there's a finish line. So I just do my thing, go to my happy place and wait, wait till the finish line. So you go to your happy place. So like when they're actually putting the stuff on, on you, like do you have a ritual that you do? Not too much of a ritual. I, I do like to see what they're doing. So as long as I can, I'm trying to clock what's happening in the mirror, but some of the makeups can go two, three, four. I think the longest was over five hours for something on Sleepy Hollow. And so, yeah, I, I try to meditate, not fall asleep, not twitch, but keep yourself in a calm space. Helps them. Nothing worse than a wiggly actor in the makeup chair. 
Very cool. Just realm. like your background here, Trista brought up before we started with the uh, with the waterfall and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a nautical thing. I'm I'm in Oceanside, California right now, and we're decorated with. Uh, I do hear the helicopters. I'm not, not sure how the helicopters are fitting into the nautical thing, but we could probably work something out. Yeah. Yep. I I almost wore a Dawn of the Dead sweater, and it actually had helicopters on. It would have nice. been perfect. I got to play a lovely zombie in uh, Zach's version of the Dead. Mm-hmm. It was a fun one. Yeah. Was that your first time as a zombie? That was. Uh, first and nearly only. There were some semi-zombies on Sleepy Hollow. But, yeah, that was great. I loved it. We, uh, As you do, you start out pre-dawn. And then when you're done, since you're a zombie, they send you outside. And my makeup guy said, there's a fairly clean pile of mud over there. Go roll around in it. <laughs> like, great. Thank you. I will happily do that. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, I mean, zombies were always popular, but that's a little bit before, like, they just really took off and became mainstream. It's yeah. weird for me yeah. growing up as a zombie fan that, like, Walmart sells, like, zombie shirts on, like, kids' T-shirts and stuff. It's weird that Such it's just a popular cultural commodity these days. Yeah. It's it's rich fodder. I mean, it's great stuff. You can go anywhere with it, as they have been. Were you a, a horror fan as a kid? Not too much of a horror fan. I was definitely uh, in the pocket for Star Wars, um, anything sci-fi. Uh, I appreciated it. Like for Halloween, I would do anything to make myself gross and bloody. It was vampires. I was. I figured out how to use the the cheapest stuff you can get at Kmart to make like tendons and underskin and overskin that I could peel off. Kind of a little, you know. Again, just just as disgusting as I could possibly make it. Um. But, you know, I watched the the classic monster movies was kind of my my wheelhouse. I'd stay up late Friday nights and watch the vampires and the werewolves and mummies. Excellent. Uh, Real Badger in the chat. Uh, he wants to know if you've ever worked with Bill Blair. Bill Blair? Bill Blair sounds quite familiar. That, that strikes me as a Sleepy Hollow name. Hmm, it could be. And... Uh, Changeman says, could you talk a little bit about your appearance in two Star Trek movies and most recently the Picard TV series? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was uh, the first two movies were Insurrection as one of the Baku. That was the long summer job. That was kind of my first yeah. entry topical point. topical name currently. Yeah. Uh-huh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Nemesis after that. So that first job... There was a lot of time spent kind of in the Baku village, uh, hanging around with Brent and uh, the good captain and a few of the others who were there pretty regularly. And then there was one section where we were shooting up in the mountains by Mammoth, and there was an opportunity to kind of watch Patrick Stewart at work from close range. And even as a young pup, I recognized like when the cameras weren't rolling and he was not actively doing something, I had a question I was very curious about. I saw them preparing for a scene by closing their eyes, looking up at the sun. And I said, um, um, ex- excuse me, sir, Mr. Patrick Stewart, sir. And kind of asked him about that. He very graciously said that it helps prepare the eyes so you don't blink and whatnot. So, I thought, oh, great. Patrick Stewart and I are pals now. That's awesome. <laughs> and then <laughs> I cut to so many years later, getting to see the wonderful work that they're doing on, uh, on Picard. It was an absolute treat to get to walk down the hall and, spook him as a Borg. XB, excuse me, not full Borg. Former. Former Borg, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was lovely to see those people again. 
I think Nemesis is actually one of the more underrated uh, Star Trek movies. Most people aren't. I don't think it gets enough credit. I think it's a good movie. It's good fun. Yeah, I, really I have like no problem the, with that one. I really oh, like the Sorry, we've got another uh, like low flying aircraft coming by. All right. Crystal, do you have a question? So you're talking about working on Star Trek, but were you a Trekkie beforehand? I was not so much of a Trekkie. I was definitely a Next Generation fan. Like I watched that one start to finish. And then from that, jumped over to Deep Space Nine. And while I was watching some Deep Space Nine, I went back to the original series, which I found even more interesting. But then I veered off towards Babylon 5 and the uh, continuing storyline of that hooked me pretty strong. And then at some point during Babylon 5, my friend said, oh yeah, they're starting to pull that into Deep Space Nine. We've got ongoing stories with the the Geminar and whatnot. And so I would say uh, not full-blown fan, but I really love the series and I love I love the heart that they always seem to maintain as an undercurrent in the in the storytelling of it. Yeah, Next Generation is actually the first show I ever binge watched. Nice. From the, from the beginning to the end. I was always anti, uh, I hate to say this, I was like against the idea of watching Star Trek. And then my older brother is not here tonight. He made me watch the original series. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is great. And then watch all the movies. And- so having binged it, like you didn't watch it originally, you watched it, w- would we say fairly recently then in the binging world? Probably like, yeah, like 10 years ago, maybe. So a 1980s show about 10 years ago, how did it play for you as a, as a bingeable? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it totally worked. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, when they found their stride in what would you say, like season two-ish? Yeah, season I would two, think so. It's season one's fine, but yeah, once it gets two or three, I think is uh that's what I've heard about. I haven't I've I've not watched Deep Space Nine. I've watched the first season, but I was told it gets really good in season two or three. It did. And it did a lot of fun stuff. I think uh what was the the Cardassian's name? The Taylor slash spy. Do we know is he one or the other? That was a fantastic character. It's kind of a potential bad guy foil and yet he's there all the time yeah good stuff i'd recommend it yeah uh, do, do you have a favorite uh, episode or a favorite uh series of star trek well it's probably a lot of people's favorite i think there there's something about the i think it was called the inner light next generation episode it's when picard at the very top scene gets zapped by that probe and wakes up on another planet through the episode, he lives an entire another life. Oh, yeah. By the end of the episode, he gets brought back, and it's only been moments. And see, you know, it's the it, it's a testament to the uh, acting chops of Patrick, and certainly whoever wrote the episodes. It's just gut wrenching. Like you feel everything that he lost from having lived that life, and for that, in some prime time sci fi show, is just mind-boggling for me so i continually reference that one to friends and then there's also you know the, the multi-episode wharf stuff on with the klingons that was always fun as well yeah. but those are probably my go-to favorites uh aj says um let's see huge teen wolf movie fan how is it to work on the tv show and how much different is it to work on a series uh from a movie the TV show was great. I had a blast on that. We we had a really good season with the three Dread Doctors. And um, being there day to day and knowing that, you know, as much as you can develop a character that doesn't have a face uh, through physical movement or knowing what he's trying to accomplish that day, it was great to be able to revisit it week to week. 
and uh, see where it's going to go. A lot of times with a movie, you know, it's a it's a fast moving, well, maybe maybe slow moving, but a very large thing with a lot of momentum, so many moving parts that you kind of have to just jump in and see what's going on and and dive into their flow. Uh, whereas with the TV shows, there seems to be a little more time to to contribute, uh, contribute ideas or or just develop more things. Same with evil. Same with evil for sure. Like they're a wonderfully collaborative group and uh, uh, open to suggestions. Because as an actor, you know you you try to ride that balance between having ideas since you spend so much time thinking about your own character and what it might do or be or or sound like that uh, having some ability to contribute is also very satisfying and, and contributes to the enjoyment of, of still doing this and playing these characters. How, on evil, what's the, the, your character, George, what, what does that mean to you as an actor? <laughs> I love George. I love George. He's so much fun. Uh, I would say that based on stuff I've done in the past where I'm usually just tucked away in the makeup, um, George has allowed me to do more of what I've trained to do as an actor than any other character I've played. Um, I got to work with the wonderful Robert and Michelle King from nearly day one, kind of talking about him and what he represented in the show, uh, kept with ideas of how he might sound or act or some of his physical characteristics. And then, uh, the makeup itself was very forgiving and allowed me to be expressive as an actor. Um, adore George. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but see some more George. When you play uh, multiple characters on a series, like on the same series, uh, do you have, what, what kind of things do you do to make sure that they're, you know, besides the makeup, but make right. sure that they're, they're two different, uh, you know, characters. Well, like, uh, I think Sleepy Hollow is the best one. I think I clocked maybe 10, possibly 11 characters over several seasons of that. And yeah, I didn't want to make it just look like, oh, there's Marty again tromping around. Uh, so I would typically try to find an animal that would remind me of aspects of this character or that I could pull from to infuse this character with. And keeping something like that in my head, you know, I can think, ah, lizard and immediately go into lizard mode and that kept things pretty uh, hopefully i mean from my perspective it, it it kept it fresh for me and and i think that because i'm so conscious of that then hopefully you know as it comes out there's some uh some variation in the characters for the animals is uh how do you how, how do you get to that animal is it like you look at yourself once you're in the makeup or do you look at like uh what, what the uh, creature is going to look like that certainly helps. I mean, if I can get a hold of a script early and see what's going on, that's a large part of it. Uh, talking with the makeup artist himself and seeing what he was thinking when he designed it, that's a huge part of it because end of the day, I'm serving them and the storytellers. And because I love those makeup artists so much and like, I want to do them proud. I want to, you know, really bring their creation to life in the best possible way. So they're the best source of information because they've thought this up or had a nightmare and brought it up. And then spent all that time sculpting it and creating it. like they've lived in this character. So I always go to them and ask and see what they've, what they've been thinking about. And then all of that stuff, when I sit in the makeup chair, that's, that's really where it comes together. Like I can kind of see where things are going. Once a few pieces are on and the glue is dried, I give it a couple little 
tentative wiggles to see how the movement plays and if I'm going to have to over or under move myself as I'm expressing things. And then when it's done, as we were talking about earlier, like when the, the lips no longer show pink or the eyes are, have been dehumaned, um, that's really when I can make any kind of final tweaks before we go out and find out if the director has even other ideas to, to alter things. So yeah, it's definitely a work in progress from, from, from go until action. Yeah. Uh, Trust you have a question. Do you have any advice for people who might aspire to have a similar career as you? Yeah, I think that certainly any kind of acting training is going to benefit you, even if you just want to do this for fun or, or explore more of the physical thing. I think it never hurts because it, it allows you some kind of a framework for the character, no matter what. Physical training in general, being healthy, being flexible, yoga. If you want to get into this business, do yoga all the time. Um, any yeah, kind of strength training I'm and flexibility. Yoga on the show. How many times? Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I think it's come up three times. There you go. You're going to have to do it like a sub yoga channel now. <laughs> yeah, it certainly helps. You know, as I'm, <laughs> I, I keep telling people and I laugh before, during, and after I say it, I turned 50 this year, which I don't even understand because I'm still a kid. I'm still playing in this kind of kid world. I still try to keep myself active. I hate going to a gym. So if I work out, it's more finding some rocks to jump on or pick up or, whatever, you know, it's play. I'm trying to stay fit and flexible by playing. This work is about playing. So maintaining that kind of like childlike playful attitude to do this is really super key. If you're taking playing monsters seriously, might not be the right place for you because it really helps if you've got that five-year-old sensibility. Neil like definitely has that five-year-old sensibility. <laughs> Right. And mentality. Nice. Yeah. Great. You got to do it. You got to, I mean, why take stuff too seriously? I, I, there's enough, really there's enough to be that. serious about. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Now, that's a silly question, but have you ever tried DDP yoga? Former guest. Say again. Have you ever tried DDP yoga? Uh, the wrestler Diamond Dallas Page, he does DDP yoga. It's his own yoga. And I know a lot of no. uh, actors and stuff have used it. I will look that up immediately. And a yeah, lot I'm of always looking for something fun. We have a lot of injuries used it and it helped them uh, rehabilitate. Great. No, great. I mentioned earlier, I was on a road trip and I just kind of, for the first time ever, I, I guess technically it's called throwing your back out because it hasn't gone back in. So yeah, I'm, I'm back on the yoga track as soon as possible. Good. Uh, Tristan, you have another question? Yeah, I hope your back is better yeah. soon. I'm sorry. To Thank you. That. You haven't heard me squeak or anything, have you? No, not yet. Okay. Well, um, if, it gro if I groan, I'm not practicing. I'm just working it out. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us when you're a little under the weather. Thank oh, you. yeah. Pleasure. Um, yeah. So I, I'm aware that you work a lot due to your great relationships with uh, makeup artists. But I'm also wondering if there's any directors that you're dying to work with or for. Well, dying to work with... the. Robert King on Evil is directing an kind of upcoming episode. He directed the pilot, and that was such a glorious experience for me as an actor. I can't wait. As soon as that script came out and I saw his name attached, I emailed him like, Robert, I love it. I love it. I want to work with you. Can I, can I do anything? Can I do anything? There's no 
monster in the episode, but we're going to try to find a way to maybe sneak Marty in there somewhere. Uh, pie in the sky business. I mean, Ridley Scott, I would love, 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 love to work with Ridley Scott, James Cameron, these visionary powerhouses like Ridley's what eighties now. And he's just killing it. Uh, guys like that really inspire me and always have, I've always loved their films. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll go with those two off the top of my head. Something big, something epic. I'm not in a position where I, you know, want to like lead a project, but just to kind of tuck in as one of the guys on the team. Yes, please. That'd be great. By the way, real Brett Badger is an update. Bill Blair holds the Guinness World Record as having played the most alien species in uh, prosthetics in movies. Ah, there we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. The name sounded familiar. Although if you talk to uh, Peter Weller, he might, he might argue that he was like in the chair more than anyone else. He, he tells me on, uh, he directed a, an episode of Sleepy Hollow when I was in a monster suit and he came up, looked at me. He's like, you know, I hold the record for sitting in a chair longest. I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. Did you want to jump in my suit or I could direct? It's okay. Yeah. He was a treat. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm a big fan of Peter Weller. I noticed he does uh, direct like a, a lot of uh, TV over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. He, uh, it seems like with his personality and temperament, he's he's right where he should be. You know, he's such an intelligent guy. He's got amazing stories. He loves to tell them. He tells them well. And uh, yeah, that was a fun episode to work on. He comes across, uh, you know, maybe he's listening to this and, and Peter, I love you. He comes kid. across a little tough, but I quickly find he's like soft underbelly and uh, I would exploit it any chance I could. There was one time when I was like, running towards the camera and this it was the yao guai it was this big red kind of chinese looking devil thing on sleepy hollow and i was supposed to run kind of towards the camera and veer off well instead of veering off i just ran right up to him and went and tickled him because <laughs> why not <laughs> I'm, I'm a monster what's he gonna do i'm totally into this yeah <laughs> Uh, a lot of these lines, aj wants to know have you uh, ever thought of writing your own scripts uh for a tv show or movie a little bit. I, I used to write a lot when I was younger. I've kind of veered off of it. But in recent years, I've, I've thought of a couple ideas that are, uh, are developable. Um, I'm going to get my toes wet starting up a YouTube channel, probably end of the month, possibly February, all COVID things considered, uh, which will give me an opportunity to kind of explore that notion. Also incorporating some of the talking about Acting and Big monster work. Or what, what, Say again. What, what are the plans, uh, what, what are the plans to do on the YouTube? Was it make shorts? Uh, it's going to allow me. I, I've been a photographer since I was in high school, and I've done video. I've been an editor since the day Final Cut Pro 1.0 came out. I loaded it onto my iMac, and my top of my head blew off of the the possibilities for storytelling uh, in the editing room. And I did that for the better part of 20 years, off and on, while I was acting. So. I kind of want to revisit and incorporate those loves of photography, of of music creation as well. I'm going to score the thing. And I'm largely looking at a structure a little bit short filmy. They're not going to be like, hey, guys, kind of YouTube channel guy. A um, little more high concept. I'm going to interview these people that I've worked with for so many years. It's going to branch out from makeup and acting going more in the in in the direction of Anyone who develops their craft and applies it to their art at a high level, 
regardless of where that is, whether it's a ceramicist or a woodworker or someone who works on cars, anything that is kind of approaching that flow state you get into at, at a high level work when you've really built your craft. That's what excites me and juices me up. So I, that's how I can apply it. Well, when you have it up, uh, send it over and we'll share it uh, for everyone who's watching this. You better believe it. Yeah, we'll spread it far and wide. Yeah, I like this idea. Uh, Real Badger says, I hated that Sleepy Hollow was canceled. I hated that Sleepy Hollow was canceled. Right. That, that was a fun show. I feel like, uh, yeah, the first two seasons, well, certainly the first half of the first season, like I was all in as a fan, as a watcher. Uh, first couple of seasons I thought were really good. I feel like they didn't quite know where they were going. Third season, uh, the cast shakeup certainly, I think, was a, a a nail in the coffin for the show. I'm not sure if they knew how to how to really recover from that. But how much fun, right? Like guy out of time, monster of the week. It was tons of fun. I made a lot of really good friends on that and got to have a lot of good fun. Uh, how has like the the rise of um, well, I was on network, but the rise of uh, streaming platforms has that affected your career? It seems like there's more content than you can shake a stick at, and that there should be plenty of work to go around. It's the same struggle it's always been for actually getting the work or or getting connected to the work in a timely way. Um, so I'm always looking into that stuff, and it's also a matter of like you know. Something like the Mandalorian, everyone's just drooling over the Mandalorian. So anyone who's ever had anything glued to their face is like, I want to be an alien in Star Wars. Working on it, but uh, I think that it's, yeah, it pretty much is the same as it's always been. It's just there's more opportunity. So persistence probably pays off more than it has in the past, but it's always the same grind. You know, you're still looking for work. You're still trying to find those connections and demonstrate your value so you can go play and have fun and be a kid. And speaking of Mandalorian, that have you talked yet about the technology of the Mandalorian and the the LED stage and whatnot? I'm nuts for that kind of technology. It's great. I want to see that That's used in more I have realms. Not seen the Mandalorian. You what? I have not seen the Mandalorian. I've not seen an episode. I know it's, it's sorry. I got, I got to go catch a boat. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> Troy is a big fan though. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I try not to be too much of a purist. Like I was, I was seven when Star Wars came out. So the original trilogy is near and dear empire rocked my world as a kid who was only used to Disney happy endings at that point. So I take all the new ones with, you know, the, the best grain of salt that I can and just enjoy them for what they are. And the Mandalorian's kind of fun. It's got something special going on with it. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are more of the uh, traditionalists like myself who like the original trilogy, but they still love the Mandalorian. They say that's the closest to the original trilogy. I think so. Yeah. And if you're a Kurosawa fan or a Sergio Leone fan, that mashup is, is really ideal. It's, it's kind of what I've wanted with... Any long-standing movie property, I've always kind of hoped and wished that each installment would have a very distinct personality. Because why I keep doing the same thing? Like, we all know Peter Parker got bit by a spider. Like, let's let's get on with it. Let's right. have some more adventures. Uh, yeah, that's and I the think, problem when they, re, when they reboot all that stuff is they always have to do the origin story. And it's like, well, we, we, we know that, you know. There, it's such a, it's running in our veins. We don't. We really don't. 
I'm just going to say it right now. We don't. That's the wrong choice. <laughs> studios. No, 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 studios. Do new things. We want that. Don't be so safe. We want things that are risky. Like, I mean, I'm speaking for myself only, but I love to see things with a point of view. I love to see things that I have not seen before. I don't want to see the same thing all the time. And it's not a safe bet because as a fan like that, I'll, I'll veer off if it looks like it's too much of the same thing I've always seen. Like, I like to be challenged as an audience member and I like to work a little bit. And I think that a lot of studios, because they put so much into it, obviously, you know, they want some guarantee that they're going to not sink if it doesn't go. But like you said, with the digital platforms now and streaming services, there's so much content that I think as we're seeing, you know, people are taking risks now. And I think digital has helped only helped in that regard where you don't have to sink $250 million into a film. You can jump onto some streaming platform and do a series and actually explore some ideas at a high level and find an audience. It's great. Yeah. I think, I think like even some kind of mains like breaking bad became mainstream. And I don't think years ago that would have ever been made like a, a show about a, a, a school teacher who becomes a meth dealer. But right. since there's so many different, like, Hey, we'll give this weird idea a chance, which uh, I don't think would have happened years ago. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and God bless that it it hit at the right time. Uh, uh, Well, besides uh, horror, what what kind of movies were were you into before uh, before you got into the business? I think I was a weird kid. I I really loved Lawrence of Arabia from a really early age. So I was already kind of getting steeped in cinematic language and, and appreciating what those guys knew. And uh, it took me a little while. I think I was in college when I finally discovered Kurosawa. And then, uh, you know, it just connected a bunch of dots all the way back. And so I still loved sci-fi. Um, I'm always interested in anything that has a, a strong visual component. Denis, anything that Denis Villeneuve does, I will gladly go stand in line to watch. I think the, like, I'm so excited for Dune. I know we're talking about remakes, not loving that. I'm legit excited for Dune. I can't wait to see what he does with that. The trailer looks fun. Yeah. Looks beautiful. I think I veered off your question, but yeah. No, it's totally know. fine though. Are you a fan of uh of the first uh take on Dune? First take. Are we talking the uh, the film, the movie that made it? The, the movie, yeah. Not not cuz then they remade it for sci-fi or something, but the uh Who the, doesn't want to see Sting in winged underpants? <laughs> <laughs> Me, Apart from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of Sting in his underpants. Uh, no, I think it, that was fun. You know, I enjoyed it. Um, I haven't revisited it. It it came out. I accepted it as a what would I've been maybe late teens, early twenties. Um, I'd be curious to go back and see it now. Now that our our palettes are so more so much more refined with the quality of the work these days, I think uh, Harkonnen might be a little funny, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious. Have you seen it in any any recent years? Yeah, I can't say I'm a I'm a huge fan, but uh, yeah, I've always wanted to be more of a fan of it because I it's such rich all, material. Like, like, yeah, exactly, and, and like the visuals are cool, but as a movie, I'm not sure it really works. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one to translate. I mean, any novel that's that dense, novel series that's that dense. I mean, good luck trying to get that into two hours or three hours. I think if they wanted to throw that into the series mode, 
and get picked no, up definitely. by some network. Like that'd be the that'd be the place to explore that world. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that uh, that they do series. Like I know they're talking about doing a series of um uh the vampire movie. Uh I probably should have remembered the name before everyone went into Sparkly that. Vampires or uh no, no. Uh, Interview with a Vampire, where they were going to each season would be uh, one of the Anne Rice novels. God, I hope they do. I'm going to start growing my hair out again. Can I still get away with it? Maybe. I think so. Brilliant. I would love to see that. Those were fun. I love those books. Yeah, I even appreciated I the know, film. I, I, I think the first movie is really, really good. The sequel, not so much, but the... Uh, I never saw that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, it's made by totally different people. It's not so great, but Complete I think departure. it was based off of the um, you know Game of Thrones did so well, and it's kind of like the idea to take a series of novels and uh, and yep. and do a similar idea. Yep, yep, yep. Now's the time. How are you doing with the Expanse? Was that you? Wa- are you watching the Expanse? I'm not sure what the Expanse is. Ah, sci-fi series based on novels. Or I'm not sure if they've diverged by now. I actually didn't read the books, but I, I love the first season, quite love the second season, have taken a break doing other things, but it's it's a fun one. I'll check this out. We'll, we'll, yeah. uh, what, what is it on? Expanse. I feel like I've seen a sci-fi logo attached to that one. Don't hold me to it, but I think it's sci-fi. Yeah. Well, there's so many uh, different uh, streaming out there. It's hard to remember which one's on what. Yeah. How about, I'm sorry, I'm going to interview you now. Rick and Morty, speaking of legit sci-fi, are you a Rick and Morty guy? I I've, I know what it is. I know what that one is, but I've not. You might think it's just an old guy burping and the little guy squeaking, but it goes to some pretty serious uh, sci-fi themes. It's it's a good one. I highly recommend that. Is that with the pickle guy? Pickle Rick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's where that came from. If you ask me anything mainstream, like, I'm probably not going to know it. But I watch. Well, a lot I see. Of- you know, you got your monster crunch behind you. I see you've got your creature from the Black Lagoon behind you. I see some other things that I kind of locked into. In fact, I see the uh, Barlow bust down oh, yeah. there. The candle, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And so, what's what floated your boat coming up? Like, what's your favorite kind of horror? Are you like in the Thing pocket? Is that where your, oh, your love perfect. is? Yeah, I don't think I think that's one. Of, that's a one of the best horror movies. That's a combination of great acting, uh, awesome uh, monsters. So when I was a kid, I really liked the monster aspect. And then when I was older, I think all of it's a great movie and the, the paranoia yeah. of it all around. I, I don't think there's really a negative about the thing. Uh, the first thing I the things I was probably into are the cla- the universal horror monsters in psycho when I was a kid. Right. And then psycho when you were a kid. Here. Yes. Honestly, awesome. I started watching horror movies. I was about six. Brilliant. I like it. Uh, my first memory of seeing a movie is at the drive-in with uh, my mom and my older brother, single mom. So she would take uh, him to the drive-in with his friends and bring me along instead of getting a, a babysitter. Oh, nice. And I Early education. This. Exactly. And uh, so we were watching uh, Night Living Dad, the original one. And I started to cry when the truck, the pickup blew up and they showed the zombies eating them. And my huh. mom turned to me and said, Don't, it's okay. They're just having a barbecue. And then I was, <laughs> I was fine with it. Horror totally is okay. Nice. I had an, my early driving experience was a little different. It was a, a double feature of um, 
got a really old stop motion dinosaur movie and uh Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> okay. I'm a big <laughs> fan of stop motion. Yeah. I tried to get Ray Harry Harryhausen on the show many times in the early days, but never oh my God, that would be great. Yeah, that stuff's glorious. There was a God, I, pr- yeah, I don't know if I should in the Argonauts, I think has some of the best scenes ever in film, the skeleton scene. It's so cool. I, I even if they of- have to m- enhance it digitally, I would love to see one commit nowadays in a modern project to that stop motion look because I I don't know how it affected you, but as a kid, like I knew there was something off, but that off made it even scarier. Makes it creepier. Yeah, absolutely. Like, can you imagine pulling that off now? Like something kind of jittering its face over like terrifying. I would love to see that. Yeah, I don't, I can't, uh, I would just say bat, but even basket cases like the early eighties, but I can't remember like anything recent that they used the stop motion in. Hashtag bring back stop motion. I'm totally bored. I'm bored in this. Yes. I'm trying to think of uh, others. Well, I to, uh, even King Kong's great. That's one of my favorites. Kong? Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the new <laughs> versions of them? The new Godzilla's um, and the new Kongs. Oh, the, oh, the, uh, I, I didn't hate it. I'm not like in love with it, but uh, mm-hmm. it was better than I expected. But the great big, he was very big in the, in the newest one. Yeah, I heard that they're announcing the, I think the new trailer, I don't know what, you know, if, I think this Sunday, they're showing the new teaser trailer for the uh, Godzilla King Kong mashup, which the five-year-old and me, even though I know it's digital, it's so pretty. It's going to look great. And I want to see big, big monsters breaking things in slow motion. Some people didn't like the newest Godzilla, but I I liked it just watching it on the giant screen Mm -hmm. in IMAX was, was a lot of fun. Entirely like entertaining. Monsters in that. It's hard for me to find a lot of fault in that because, like I said, you know, the quality of the effects now are so good that I can I can forgive a, a pretty big portion of uh, maybe shoddy storytelling. Not saying that that applied to Godzilla necessarily, but sure, the visual elements can carry me over. But if you can combine the visual stuff and the quality that they're making now to like really good storytelling, it's a good time to be a fan of cinema. I agree, especially uh, that movie is because um, when I watch it on the smaller screen, not nearly as impressive. It still looks cool, but that's a movie it really yeah. played best on on the IMAX. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, IMAX is great tech. Trista, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about like giant monster movies. If you if you are a fan of giant monster movies, and if so, do you have any favorites? Um, I mean. My dad and I would watch the kaiju marathons every Christmas together. So I definitely awesome. have like a soft spot for that. Yeah, all of them. I really like um, like Mothra. <laughs> um, Mothra. Yeah. That was my attempt to do the little song that the little uh, the little girls. <laughs> that was good. I bought My it. voice is not high enough. But Mothra's very good. Those were great. And Scary. That, even knowing that there were people in the suits back in the day, like I both bought it and wanted to be in the suit even as a kid. Like it worked both ways for me. And now that they're digital fests, I recognize there's no opportunity to be in those suits, but bring on the digital destruction. Like that's that's one of the things CG does best, breaking things into pieces. At a at a convention, they brought a monster um, 
Monster, what is it called? Uh, Monster Party. Um, th- they actually brought out. Uh, he passed away since then, but he was he played the, the guy. I think he played him in the original movie. The guy who played yeah. Godzilla. Yeah, that, that I got to meet him at a a Monster Palooza or a Son of Monster Palooza a few years back. It was it was quite a treat. That's pretty, yeah. Oh, but when you mentioned creature, this is um, one of the, my uh, one of the things I'm most proud about uh, doing the show is we had Ben Chapman on the show played the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, right. On uh, the land scenes, uh, uh-huh. I was gonna say before he passed away, but obviously it was. I didn't have him on after he passed away, but after the show, he uh, he sent a bunch of stuff, and that's one of the things he sent. He sent an autograph photo, and oh, cool. upstairs, uh, the one the best thing is he sent. Um, a copy of his original contract. What? And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, How it's cool. awesome. Man. And wow. He was paid like $300, I think. To play <laughs> the- wow. That's really awesome. What a treasure. Yeah. And I also have to mention, uh, Troy used, Troy, my brother used to do caricatures of all the guests, but once we started doing weekly, it was just too much to keep up with. Sure. But, um, so, uh, Ben asked, uh, if I could send him like four copies, which I did. And so he kept one and then he sent three back signed to me, Troy and, uh, and our, uh, John used to be on the show. And so that means a lot to Troy having his character that he drew of Ben Chapman and he signed it to him. Nice. That's really cool. Really nice guy. Lovely memorabilia. He was, he, he was not doing well at the time. Mm-hmm. I think he knew he didn't have uh, a long time left. And when we called him, he was not in good health. He was on oxygen. And I was like, well, we can do it, you know, at the time. And he's like, and he, this is what he said, which sounds kind of funny, but he's like, no, let's do it before I croak. <laughs> and, uh, but, it, but when we started, like he, his spirit lift up and he, yeah. you know, afterwards he said he wanted to do something where, you know, people could listen to it for forever and get his, right. so it meant a lot to me. I think. Okay. Yeah. And on the, on the backside of your life, like what a, what a great thing to revisit reminisce about i'm sure that was a pretty pivotal memorable portion of his life surrounded by really great people a lot of fun telling the stories like even after they did the movie he would wear the uh the costume on like the universal lot yeah (laughs) like jump out of the the the, the pot like the i don't know what it was like a lake or whatever they had on sure don't scare people and you could tell it it was a lot of fun for him how fun yeah yeah there's something magical about that we were talking about the zacks zombie thing yeah i was only a part of that when they came back to universal to do some reshoots for the the end credit scene uh but was there for a couple of days and they were running trams very close to where we were getting made up so at one point i kind of half asked half didn't ask and started creeping around the the trams and then a few other people like oh well they can't fire us all so there were a bunch of zombies attacking the the tram for the better part of a morning while we were sitting waiting to go on i love it it was a cool place. I grew up there. I was back in the day of uh, Frankenstein and the big foam boulders you could grab and huck around. Uh-huh. Uh, loved Universal. Yeah. That reminds, go back to Star Trek. That reminds me of the episode of Star Trek when the, uh, I forget the name of the monster, but when he's, one of the most famous episodes when it's him and, and, uh, and Captain Kirk and they're fighting in the desert and he throws the big boulder and you could, you could totally tell it's just a big styrofoam boulder, but it's pretty Foam awesome. bouncy boulder. Yeah. Which one was that? Was it the lizardy guy, the Gorn or something? Yes, the Gorn. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe they shot up at uh, the rocks, up at Vasquez, I think. AJ Zala says, "Robot Chicken" is a great stop motion show. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. For that. Great stop motion show. And they did, they did a really cool thing with the original Slee stack from land of the lost. Mm-hmm. When we were getting ready to do land of the lost, the, the remake, uh, I, because I said, and I was one of the older guys there, even at the time, I'm like, you know, I grew up with that show. So if you need anyone to like go through the, the movements and stuff, I'd be happy to. So I, I put together some video of uh, the TV show and then I capped it at the end with that segment from Robot Chicken when all the sleeve stackers sit in, in the library and one of them goes, and the other one's like, and the other one's, and it's just a big hiss fest. So yay, coming together of worlds. Yeah. So that, I mean, that has to be I don't know if they're fun or what what the right word is, but something you grew up watching of it, you know, then you're in the the movie version. Oh, buddy. <laughs> it was a joy. It was one of the hardest jobs I've ever done uh, being glued into that thick of a foam suit on a soundstage when they didn't really know how to keep the temperature for all of the sleeve stack. So the first couple of days were an exercise in not being the first one to pass out. And I think there were a few of us who did pass out, but that was fine. It was a sweat fest every day. It was smelly and gross. And it was one of the most joyful jobs that I've ever had just because of that. You know, I, I think I was four and five when the original TV show was on and I would watch it religiously. I didn't understand all of the, you know, implications of the writing because I think they brought in some pretty good sci-fi writers for the episodes. But man, the, give me those stop-motion dinosaurs and all the slee stacks, and then to come back and put on the suit as an adult, yeah, that was fantastic. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so, what was it like being part of American Horror Story? We even talked about American Horror Story. Tons of fun. It was great. Uh, the makeup was easy as they go it was basically just getting very bloody and dirty on my torso and then pulling on the big pig head and going out and trying to be creepy and scare people um everyone on it was tip-top pro uh the the sets that we got to play on were the in the exterior of the house was at one location the interior was on the stages and the interior was beautiful i wanted to just live there that that house they built was solid real construction they built it for the show yeah the whole thing i th- i don't think they might have even put up the exterior because it was just a facade yeah they had to have there was nothing really significant inside beautiful absolutely beautiful design beautiful construction so that's that's kind of where i geek out you know i i love wearing the stuff but being a visually minded photographer background guy like i'll spend a lot of time just walking around the sets kind of like looking at the details and and appreciating the design that's gone into them. That's a big part of the the joy that I'm still getting out of this. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was great and loved wearing the pig head. I mean, (laughs) all I had to do was just try to make Sarah scared or Cuba scared or whoever scared the little girl. Like if you've seen the series, you know, there's that one episode when uh, he picks up the butcher's knife and looks around, he sees the little kid and starts going after her. I don't know if you get any sense about me here in the podcast, but, I'm a pretty mellow guy and I love puppies and kids flock to me. And like, you know, (laughs) it couldn't be farther from all these creepy things that I play. And so I was a little concerned on the day that, you know, I have to like, I'm this scary looking six foot four thing with a knife and I have to come at this kid and she's going to scream. And I was having a little hard time. That little kid was such a tip top pro. She put me at ease. There were a couple other kids there that day and they were just, 
shooting the breeze with me and telling jokes and talking about the makeup and, oh, let me poke the pig head and blah, 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 blah. And then ready, set, go. And she's like, ah, being a professional little screamer. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, stuff like that. If I have to be genuinely threatening to someone young, that hurts. I, I have a problem with it, but they're typically so having such a good time doing the show that they don't, they don't care at all. Like they know me as me by that time. Same with evil and the the girls yeah. in that show. They, they love George. He's, he's their puppy. <laughs> well, you mentioned loving puppies and, uh, uh, when we, when I announced you're coming on the show, I went and looked, you know, I was trying to get pictures actually for, uh, for the banner. I love the banner. You found and, some. Uh, and, I was, and I was like, Oh, he's got a lot of kitten pictures. So I, I actually told Trista cause we're both animal people and Trista right away said, Oh, well, I already like them. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of crazy young cats. They're brothers and they're just nutso. Uh, they really want my dog who's now 12 to be their buddy she's 12 so she's not that excited about being their buddy so so seeing the kittens try to get engaged with the with the older puppy is uh it's pretty hilarious but yeah i'm i'm an animal lover and and they know it like you know you you kind of lead with your energy and i can't tell you the number of times i've i've been like walking where other people are walking with their dogs and their dogs will like veer off and try to come up to me to say hi and I'm like, great. Hi. I know you. Let's scratch butts. <laughs> Can't stop myself. <laughs> I've, I've done that in makeup several times too. And, and most of the time the dogs are like, eh, whatever. Just scratch me. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, also had experience reverse of that where I've had pets and uh, I've had people like neighbors where the animals were not, did not like them. And it, it always gave me the idea that they might not be the greatest people. If your pets don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that. I it, think that, it sense, you know, if, if you're a good person or not. Yep. Yep. They're more, they're more subtly attuned to, I'll, I'll say it again, like, you know, your energy, you know, whatever you're putting out as you, your vibe or what have you, they, they definitely know. Uh, it can be informed by their experiences, just like people and they may change their minds. You know, I've, I've had some very, people with very nervous dogs where like I'm such a dog person anyway, that I'll walk up to them and ask if I can say hi to their animal. And a lot of the people with the nervous dogs, I'll only do it if it seems like I could offer something. And, and occasionally I will do that. Like I'll say, you know, can I say hi to your dog knowing it's nervous? And they'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, it's okay. I'm a dog whisperer. <laughs> and it almost always, always works out great because they understand that you're not a threat. So if you're just a good person, they're going to get that. All right. Yeah, I live in a pretty, uh, there's a lot of animals around where I live, wild animals, and uh, so skunks and squirrels, uh, coyotes and everything, but uh, raccoons. But the point was, uh, if you don't do anything to startle them or anything, they're going to leave you alone. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, a lot yep. of wild turkeys around here recently. What? <laughs> my, my one and only experience with wild turkeys is maybe they're not the sharpest animal in the knife drawer. Uh, there was one that kind of fell out of a tree while I was walking down a path one time. <laughs> I just heard this. <laughs> and then he got up and shook it off. I didn't know they could, they could jump into trees until they started coming around a lot. And it is kind of weird though. Cause I was outside once and one jumped up onto the roof of my house and they're so big. And it is kind of weird to see this big giant bird just kind of jumping over your head and they fly, but not 
like into great distance. It's kind of fly yeah. up into the roof or up into the roof. it's like a it's like a boosted jump. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, they're not. I guess that's where bird brain comes from. They might not birds might not be the smartest. Fair, fair, fair. No birds that are watching. Right. Yeah. No, we like the birds. Birds are cool too. Right. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? What kind of roles really excite you? Layered roles, something with depth, something that, um, what I think I know of acting at this stage of my life, it's, you know, I, I love something that a character that's playing against what he's saying, you know, there, there's nothing better than as a viewer seeing something where you're like, Oh no, no, I, I hear what he's doing, but I see what he's doing. And it's not the same. Anything that you can do like that as an actor to, to infuse some depth into the character, like that, that kind of stuff really turns me on. If it's not there in the script, um, do you do anything to try to add your own uh, layers to it or your own backstory to a character? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be thinking about something while I'm saying things and, Again, like I'm always learning and I'm learning from people who've done it far better than, than I ever will. And everything that interests me is, is that, is seeing that. So if, if I get something now where I'm even fully lost in a makeup and don't even have maybe that much to do, I will come up with something for myself to, to inform something. Because I think that no matter what, some of that's going to come out. Like with, with the dread doctors, for example, you know, I didn't do the ADR for that. So when he had a voice, it wasn't on my shoulders. I just had whatever I could do within that cloak with that hammer. And so I would come up with a complete idea for what this doctor creepy dead thing was up to that day and, and try to infuse it with that. So it makes it more fun for me. And then I think the camera does pick up whatever it needs to see of that. It will, it will change things. Certainly with George, like on evil, like he, he's, I was able to layer in more with him. Like I said, he's got, he's got more than some of the other characters that I've played. And I was always playing him. He would kind of vacillate between things. Like he had this animal side that occasionally he just couldn't control, but he was really trying to be the human that he may or may not have been in a previous incarnation. So he was kind of like trying to play, you know, this, uh, this affect don't even know if it was real. Like, he could either have been this monster or he could have been this human. So it was fun to kind of like let him flow between those things. And he had a sense of humor. Like, like I love playing that too. As he's doing these horrible things, he was, he was enjoying himself. Did you ever get to do any conventions like uh, from any of those, like George or for the, the piggy man? You know, I haven't. And it's been brought up a couple of times that, based on the amount of characters that I've played that it would be a good thing to do. Um, I'm interested. I've always felt kind of, what should we say? I don't know if shy is the right, right word, but I don't necessarily feel for me that it's justified until I have a character that I've played that more people are aware of where they might then look to see who's playing him. Whereas now I could bring a bunch of things and enjoy talking to people, but it'd be more like, Oh, I know that guy. Oh, Hey, I know, you know, it'd be more like recognition after the fact. 
which is fine either way. But I would say that overall, the opportunity just hasn't come up yet, or I haven't uh, made the right connections to generate that opportunity. But certainly not opposed. It seems like a great way to talk to people once uh, COVID leaves us alone for a while. Oh, Neil may have frozen here. Um, he, he looked, I, he looked oh, very quiet for a, a bit there. I was wondering if he was oh. pondering. He was yeah. pondering very seriously. <laughs> Sorry, what, Neil, were you saying something? You were frozen for us. Probably, but it probably wasn't important because I don't remember what it was. Would you like to say something different? <laughs> I'm getting a thing that says my internet is unstable. Uh, oh, that's isn't it always? I, know I thought it was going to be me, but it's you, Neil. Yeah. It was snowing earlier. I don't know what it's like out at the moment. Uh, snowing? Great. I I was in 18-degree weather day before yesterday, and now I'm by the beach, and it's like nice upper 50s. I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. Yeah, I think it was 21 uh, when I went to get my surgery earlier. It was snowing. Uh, right. You had a thing. You had a thing that you said to me. It was like, eh. It sounded like this. Eh, I just got this little thing. And then I see a, a shot on was it your Instagram and you look like the mommy. Yeah, it, was a, it, was, it was a lot more involved than they had told me it was going to be. How you doing? Feeling all right? Yeah, Are those medications working their magic? I don't have, I'm not on any medication, which I can, I can uh, uh, feel at the moment. That it, uh, the, the numbness is gone. But I, ah. it, I have a makeshift stool here. I actually have a bucket under the uh, table upside an upside down bucket that's my foot stool. that's your prop yes as long as i don't kick it i guess i'll be all right <laughs> don't kick anything heal well drink your green juices Ashley, he said, uh, hell or high water i will talk to marty matulis today that's that is very true. commitment buddy Verbatim. love that appreciate that if you'd done this from your hospital bed i would have tried to bring you chicken soup <laughs> That would have been something. <laughs> Ashley Turner wants to know, have you considered creating an iconic monster or creature yourself? Well, that kind of goes back to that writing a script idea. Um, one of the ideas I can kind of hint at, it was more kind of like a on the nose uh, comedy thing about like the guys who play these things. Get, like it's It's kind of a small community and we all know of each other thought it'd be hilarious to get like Jones and Doug, the Doug, Doug Tate and uh, Brian Steele and Derek Mears, and any of these guys, Alexander Ward, who I worked with a lot on Sleepy Hollow. It, there's like maybe, I don't know, a dozen of people who seem to do a lot of this stuff that at least I'm aware of getting them in kind of like a friends-esque situation comedy, but somehow monstery. <laughs> that, that's a possibility. But I think it would be fun to kind of develop a, a legit property where I'd get to explore something. Um, yeah. And I don't even know where that would go, but not overly elaborate, but maybe like the, the, the downfall, the decay man into a monster or reverse it monster into a man. That kind of a, kind of a journey sounds like it could be an epic thing. You mentioned a friend of mine there, uh, Brian Steele. Have you did, have you worked with him, or you just know him uh, through uh, through the industry? Uh, I know him through Spectral Motion, who used him a lot on the Hellboy movies uh, and a variety of other things. And then we became friends because we uh, we have kind of a similar 
similar mindset on things. Like I, you know, I've hung out with him at the, at the beginning of a couple of bike races when he got into bike racing across the country. And, and I appreciate the work at, you know, he doesn't do anything half-assed and um, I just really like the guy. We kind of, we got along well as friends as with Darius and, you know, a lot of these guys are just really good people or kids at heart having fun, trying to have as much fun as possible in this business. Yeah, Ryan Steele is great. And um, he, him and Mark Patton uh, from um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, they were the uh, <laughs> two guys that recommended me to conventions, and that's how I got involved doing um, uh, conventions and doing um, – I host a lot of panels and stuff in the early days. And it was uh, – they were the guys who put a good name, a good word in for me. Brilliant. And the first panel you I, originally ever, meet, I, Brian? Ever, I ever hosted was with Brian Steele. Nice. You guys were friends for way back, did you? You know yeah, Derek Brian too. Steele and Derek awesome. Yeah, not They're as well. Guys. But he was in the panel. Yeah, and the third guy in that panel, not not a great guy. So I won't, oh. I won't mention him. But no, no, we don't talk about him. He got up and left during the panel. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very strange uh, experience. Was he overly hydrated? Did he just have to skip off to the bathroom or something? No, he just he looked at me. He said, "How long is this?" And I said, "It's supposed to be." A, and this was like ten minutes in. I said, uh, "They told me an hour." And he's like, "Nope." And he got up and walked out. Huh? How fun! And he's not been he's not been he's not been brought back to any other conventions I know of. Uh, yeah, isn't it funny how that works out? The greatest guy to be around. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think uh, your reputation definitely precedes you, you know, in, in this kind of work. And this is populated by a bunch of artist nerd kids who love cinema and love monsters. And, you know, nobody wants to have a bad time in that world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. fun, you know, making these disgusting things. You want to have a good time. You want, it's, it's, you want to surround yourself with fun people. So, right. yeah, I can... I can and see why he might have fell fallen off the map. If not, uh, at least uh, pretend that you want to be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put on a good face at the very least. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so AJ says he, he enjoyed the show, and he suggests a gruesome version of Benjamin Button. Oh, I guess that's what he he thought the your idea earlier was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. That could be something. Dark twist on the Button story. Right. I like it. Are you working on anything currently? I guess. Uh, COVID has COVID. Yeah, all answers to COVID now. Um, fortunately, Evil is shooting season two. They are going to heroic lengths to protect the safety of their cast and crew. They've got you know, uh, if you know about it, they're implementing the pod system, so there's minimal interaction between pods. So if anything does come up, they can isolate the pod or the person from the pod. Uh, and apart from some individual isolated incidents they're doing great and uh the season is progressing and uh i don't know to this to this episode number we're at coming up on four or five how much i'm going to be in the last later part of the season but i'm certainly going to be in it for uh for a bit here and there very cool yeah after that i don't know it's all it's all just you know whatever comes up or whatever i can uh put my name into the hat for which i try to do here and there that's also kind of a trick in the in the industry or or even a trick for me and my personality type like i recognize the benefit of knocking on doors here and there but i'm not a huge door knocker i kind of like to let things come to me and then be gracious and and accept them uh 
So like, you know, I've reached out to a couple of people as the Star Wars fan that I am. I, of course, love to get onto Mandalorian anywhere doing anything, you know, bar patron number 22 would be fine. Um, but apart from those things right now, uh, not a lot's in the works. Um, I usually try to keep my, my ear to the rail with any makeup artists that I've worked with who have a copy of some of my body parts, a head or a hand or a teeth or body, whatever. Um, because then I know that at least there's a, a stronger possibility that I'll, I'll be in the running for something. And then I can usually check in and see what's going on with those guys. Always hoping. It's still fun. Love doing this. Yeah. Uh, Trust you have another question? Yeah, you've played a lot of scary characters. I'm wondering if you have any fears or phobias that you're comfortable telling us about. Nothing really significantly like debilitating or or things that keep me up at night. Um, I really don't like macro photography of spiders. I can handle them when they're out That's and about. Specific it is. It is. Uh, anytime I see that, like they just have too many eyes and, and I don't trust anything with that many eyes. They can see too much. Uh, <laughs> but anything that I've played, like I've never. You're giving away too much of why this scares you. It's not really a spider. <laughs> Stop spiders. <laughs> uh but they do great work you know i'm I'm fine with them in the garden i just don't want to like see them right here staring at me right or or if you want to google this one i think it was my it might have been a japanese lady who had a spider that decided to crawl into her ear and turn around and hang out and when they went in to get it of course they would go in with a camera first and that's, that's just nightmare fodder for me right there uh yeah but apart from that no i, I can't really say that there's much of anything like that really bugs me like that or, or keeps me up worried about things. Well, that's a significant one. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It does remind me uh, when I was, I don't know, early teens, maybe I was playing, we used to play poker, my family and a moth flew into my uncle's ear and he actually had to go to the emergency room to, to get it out. Did he finish his hand? I think we did. Yeah. Nice. Good. <laughs> that brings back to Mothra too. Right. Good God. Don't want that in your head. Is everything connected? Well, okay. So then we're now, we're now that we're going down the path, that reminds me of, was it Star Trek Wrath of Khan? Mm. Oh, okay, yes. fine. Okay, fine. So that creeped me out. It creeped me out when he put the fork down and the thing was wah, kind of struggling. And then he lifts up that armor plate or like goes in with forceps. And I'm, first of all, I'm like, all that sand is going to get in there. That's horrible. And then he pulls out that little squiggly thing and drops it in the guy's ear to, you know, control him. Yeah. That might've damaged me just a little bit. Yeah. That, that I know it's like everyone says it, but that is the, my favorite of, of the movies. Part two, Wrath of Khan. It was good for a lot of reasons. I can go back and watch that one. Yeah. Yeah. Not just Kirk yelling Khan. I mean, there's a lot of- <laughs> yeah. It's got the meme factor. It's got the creep out factor, but, but also just good story. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Definitely. So where can people follow you? Oh, what have we got? Uh, My social security number is um, (laughs) not available for anyone. My Instagram, I do the Instagram at Marty Matulis. I have a slight less, slightly less, um, Actually, a little more personal one at, at 
at Amplified Focus. It's a little more outdoorsy, me and my dog, um, kind of trying to keep those two not separate because, you know, I do kind of cross over, but I wanted to have two channels so I can focus on this one and focus on that one. Uh, I don't really tweet. I read it for news-ish, but I don't really get involved with that. I I had a a bad breakup with Facebook, and we're fine now. Moving on with our lives. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, when the YouTube things, when the YouTube channel is live, that's going to be announced on probably both of my Instagrams, and and I think it'll be fun. It's it's going to have to really kind of find its way because I've got a lot of ideas, so it's not going to be super focused off the top. But it'll be fun. It'll be worth watching. Yeah. I think we're both interested in checking that out. Yeah, buddy. It was a pleasure seeing you guys. Yeah, this has been great. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You enjoy the rest of your day and your time with your uh, family. Yes, sir. Heal up. Stay safe. Thank you. Be well, guys. Be safe. Thank you. You too. We'll talk soon. All righty. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. Sitting here on a lie. Ripley, we The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. The